You're listening to Coaching for Leaders. This is episode number 53, airing on September 3rd, 2012. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Welcome to Coaching for Leaders. This is the show for leaders who want to improve themselves so they can better engage and develop others. Whether you're a seasoned leader or leading people for the first time, improving your leadership skills will drive your success and most importantly, the success of others. This week's topic, get results from people with three simple steps. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Coaching for Leaders. My name is Dave Stahoviak, and I am coming to you, as always, from our studio out here in Orange County, California. And it is a national holiday here in the States. It is Labor Day, meaning that a lot of you here in the States are probably picking up this show on Tuesday or Wednesday or sometime later in the week, but I wanted still for it to get out today so that those of you who are in other places in the world, get started on the week the right way with some good tools and tips and information that will help you to engage and develop others a little bit more effectively and hopefully give you something here today that you can use immediately. And today's topic is how to get results from people with three simple steps. So I'll be walking through three steps that you can utilize as a leader that will help you to get results more effectively and more consistently. So if that is something that would be helpful to you, keep listening. If not, then hey, uh, hope uh, next week's show is a better fit for you. And uh, either way, glad to have you tuned in as an as a listener. And you know, I mention every week here as uh, I start the show that we're coming to you from Orange County, California. I have uh, had the privilege to live in Southern California now for gosh, uh, 13 or 14 years. It is just an amazing place to live. The weather here is great. Uh, I won't go on and on for those of you who are not uh, not as nice climates. Uh, but I mention that because I haven't always lived in Southern California. I grew up in a town called Naperville. And that town is just outside of Chicago, Illinois, the state of Illinois. And uh, my family is still out there. My brother's out there. My parents are out there. Actually, uh, we have uh, listeners out there. Um, I'm actually thinking specifically of uh, Michael Wagner. Hey, Michael, if you're listening, uh, is out in Naperville. So a uh, lot of connections uh, between me and my family in the Midwest. I love going back to the Midwest. It's been a, it was a wonderful place to grow up. And, you know, thinking about Labor Day and holidays, and actually my family's uh, been out here this weekend, um, I think about kind of always going back to my childhood whenever I think about the Midwest. And as I was thinking about today's topic, I thought back to, you know, just some of the things that I had to do as work when I was a kid. And uh, back in the Midwest, at least in that part of the country, many of the homes have very large basements, uh, you know, kind of underground. We don't really have basements here in Southern California. I'm not sure about other places here on the West Coast, but uh, we had a basement in my parents' home when I was growing up. And uh, about, uh, oh, I don't know, I was probably 10 or 11 years old, and my parents uh, decided that we they were going to remodel or remodel the basement and put down carpeting and put in a nice little you know, eating area down there and, you know, a nice entertainment system and a place for us to play games. And we actually had a 
tra- you know, model train set. My dad and I did model uh, railroading when we when I was a kid. And I remember when the basement was finally finished, all the work was done, the carpeting was down, my parents approached me and they said, hey, if you would uh, like, we could, you know, we were thinking about having the house cleaners uh, come in and clean the basement, but we thought that maybe you might like this as an ongoing job. It would be your job to clean the basement, to do the vacuuming, the dusting, the windexing of the mirrors down there. And if you did that, you can earn, I think it was, you know, 10 or 11 or $12. And, uh, you know, this is, you know, 25, you know, 30 years ago or so. Uh, yeah, it was pretty good money. And in addition, especially in the summer, I think I was making eight or nine or $10 mowing the lawn. You know, I could pull in $20 in a week. Not too bad. And so, uh, of course, I said, sure. I was excited about the money. I wasn't excited about the work, <laughs> but uh, the money sounded really good. And so, um, you know, what happened is, uh, you know, the first time that I was getting ready to clean the basement is I remember my dad took me down and he showed me around the basement. We kind of walked through what he expected that I do. Uh, so he talked me through that I needed to vacuum not only, you know, the main parts of the basement, but I had to get into kind of the corners and get to, to the sides and that I also had to vacuum the stairs and it wasn't just enough to vacuum you know the outside of the stairs i had to you know take the hose off and kind of get into the cracks and the crevices make sure i got all the dirt and the dust up and then you know he kind of walked through what he expected with dusting what you know what i needed to do as far as get the dust off and windexing you know the whole bit and so uh you know inevitably i would you know i went down there and kind of got to work and uh, you know my dad would come down i remember the first couple of times he'd come and and check on me and make sure things were going okay and checked in and, you know, uh, provided some coaching here and there. Sometimes I appreciated the coaching, sometimes I didn't. (laughs) And then at the end of the process, the same thing would happen every time. And this was even, you know, six months, a year, year and a half later after I'd been doing it for a while. uh, When I would come upstairs and tell everyone that I was done cleaning the basement and, uh, and looked for the money, uh, my dad would always say, all right, let's go do the inspection. And he'd walk downstairs and he'd start looking around and he'd look at the carpeting and he'd look at the, uh, you know, uh, how I dusted. And I remember he would always put his finger across the top of uh, some of the picture frames to check if I had dusted on top there. And of course, uh, often I hadn't. And so there would be a whole uh, a whole thing of dust on his fingers. So of course, I'd have to go back and you know uh, dust that part of the picture frames. And after a while, I figured out that I needed to dust the top of the picture frames. And once I started doing that, then he started checking other places. So you know, he always checked in and ex- inspected to be sure he got what he expected. And I think back to that story when I think about today's topic of. Uh, how to get results from people, because uh, my dad used a lot of wisdom there, and I know a lot of parents do when they're coaching their kids on their first jobs, when they're doing work around the house, when they're earning a little money around the house, doing some chores, is that they set expectations, they check in, and then they inspect to make sure they got what they expected. And that is what I would also hope for you as a leader that you would do with the people that you are leading. Now, this may seem 
overly simplistic, talking about cleaning a basement in relationship to how you would lead people. Uh, But simple is sometimes important for us as leaders because sometimes we get so caught up in the day-to-day, I know I do, that we forget about the simple things that we all need to do in order to help us get results from the people that we're leading. And so as you're listening today, listen for these three things, and you may want to jump onto the website at the end of this episode and go back and reference some of them. And you can do that by reaching the show notes at coachingforleaders.com forward slash 53. So that's coachingforleaders.com forward slash the number five, three. You can also leave me feedback or comments or questions on our hotline, 949-38-LEARN. It's actually my office line, but it's also a hotline too. And you can also email feedback to me at feedback at coachingforleaders.com. So before I share these three things, and I've already mentioned them, but we're going to go into some detail here. What do I want for you as the listener? What do you? What do I want for you as a leader? Here are the three things I would want for you that people who you lead would know what outcomes you want. I'd also hope that people know how and when you're going to check in and what kind of communication you're going to have with them, and also that people you lead would expect that there would be some consequences to their actions. And I use the word consequences globally, that there would be good things that would happen from good results, that there would be some negative consequences from bad results, but that you would get some type of feedback from the person leading you. That's what I would hope is that you would provide that for the people that you lead. So let's look at these three things in a little bit of detail and talk about how you can utilize them to help get results. So number one, you heard it up front here in the story of cleaning the basement, is establish outcomes up front. My dad did this when I first started cleaning the basement, when I was 10, 11, 12 years old. We walked through it the first time. He showed me exactly what he wanted me to do, the results he wanted to get. He wanted this part clean, that part clean. You know, here's how it should look when it's done. Uh, You know, he didn't walk through each step of how I needed to do it per se, but he showed me at the end of the day, here's what this needs to look like. And that's something to really keep in mind when you are coaching others and setting expectations is you don't want to dictate the process. You want to establish the outcome. And the difference there is you want to set a clear road marker for folks of what's the outcome, what's the metric, what are you looking for for the customer, what are you looking for in the interaction with the supplier, what is the other party expecting from the work that this person or team is doing, and to make that very clear, at least as clear as you can as to what the outcome should be. The more clear you can make the outcome, the better that your the folks you're leading or the team that you're leading will be able to meet that outcome. But you want to stop short of dictating the process. And the reason for that 
is because if you tell folks exactly how to do something, then it is your process and not theirs. And if it's your idea, if it's your process and not their idea or their process, then it takes away their motivation to have ownership over it. And the other challenge is it takes away all of the potential great ideas and innovation that they could bring to do something in a way that you may have never thought of as a leader and potentially, and in my experience, often do it better than you would have done it. And so you wanna be able to set those outcomes, but again, not dictate the process. So establish the metrics for success and let people or that person decide how they will get there. And if you do this upfront, you will save yourself a lot of time and frustration as a leader. Now, I say this because uh, inevitably when I've been in situations where I've been coaching leaders or executives and we've sat down and we've had a conversation about their team not working effectively or um, in the situation where, and I've had this happen several times in my career, where I've walked in to uh, talk to an executive leader and they have inevitably brought up a situation with a particular one of their direct reports and said, you know, with this person or this group of people, I'm just not getting the results I want. Um, I always get something different than I expect. Uh, You know, they never meet my expectations, uh, so on and so forth. And one of the first questions I always ask is, tell me about what were the outcomes that you established with them up front that you wanted him to hit and achieve and tell me about the metrics and what types of things that you set in advance that they should achieve. And you know, the most common response that I get to that question when I ask them that silence, silence, because more often than not, many leaders don't take time up front to establish the outcomes and then they get a result that they weren't expecting. Well, that's understandable from the party, you know, from the standpoint of the follower because they didn't know where to go. So how can you hold someone accountable for getting somewhere when they didn't know where they were going in the first place? It's really hard. And and that's a hard situation for a leader to be in and that's one of the reasons that they often will uh, you know, call a coach and talk with a coach, but uh, more often than not it's because the leader has done something or not done something to set that person up for success. So that's something to check yourself on as a leader. And one of the things I try to do anytime I'm not getting results from someone or a business partner or a situation or a colleague is I'll think to myself first, I try to, uh, am I being clear on what expectations that I want? And if not, then it's up to me to do some coaching on myself first and to make those expectations clear before I start uh, complaining and criticizing the other person. So that's step number one, establish those outcomes. Step number two is agree to regular check-ins. Now, uh, you know, here's the thing is people don't want to feel micromanaged. At the same time, people also want to know that you do care and that you're available for communication and feedback and coaching. 
And so a great way to uh, figure that out in advance, and this is something you can do in establishing outcomes, is to determine with that other person uh, what are the communication points? What are the check-in points where we'll connect and talk about the progress that you've made on this project or proposal or a statement of work, whatever it is. And by doing that up front, then it is not a surprise and it becomes a regular uh, conversation about coaching, about excellence, about how to innovate, about how to be as effective as possible. And when you have those regular check-ins, whenever they are, um, if people are mostly on track, leave them alone and you know provide resources that they ask for by all means, uh, mentor and coach and provide experience if they ask for it. But you know, if they're on track, leave them alone. Let them do their work. Let them uh, get involved and uh, really innovate in ways that will be fun and exciting and bring new value, value to the organization. Now, if they're going off track a little bit, then of course provide some coaching. And if it's a disaster, by all means, step in and help out. Uh, you don't want people to go off a cliff, of course. But uh, you're, you're, the way you handle this is going to be different in every situation, and the expectations you set up will be different in every situation. So, for example, if you have uh, set an expectation or an outcome with someone who's relatively new to the organization or maybe is doing this skill for the first time, and maybe it's a high visibility project they're working on, uh, you're going to check in with them pretty often, maybe even daily. Maybe that's what you set up, maybe even more than daily, depending on you know the project and how much support that they need. Uh, at the same time, if you're talking with someone who you've worked with for years and it's a project that you, they've done many times before and you have a lot of trust with that person, the regular check-ins you know, may just be one time during the project, maybe weekly or even monthly. So that's something that you'll need to assess as a leader and come to some agreement with that person as far as what that check-in looks like. And that's going to be different in every situation and with every person. Now, finally, step three is to provide accountability. And I used the word consequences even earlier. Uh, but again, I mean that term globally. I don't mean consequences isn't something bad has to happen. Just that, that people get some accountability and some feedback from you. So either during the process or at the end of the process, uh, that if something's not matching in expectations, to call people on it. I know my dad called me on it when the dusting wasn't done right when I was a kid. Uh, and just like that, that great coaching I got, as a leader, we shouldn't be afraid to call people on things that when they're not meeting the expectations. And that shows people that, one, we care we care about the expectations, and two, it shows them that we're serious. Uh, you know, when we talk about expectations and they agree to them up front, that we're serious about that process and that we do want them to perform at the highest level that they're capable of. So call people on it if they're not meeting your expectations. Uh, and also, of course, on the other side of that, acknowledge people in some way. It doesn't need to be anything fancy. Uh, you know, a, a thank you for the hard work someone's done on a project, especially if it's been a long-term project, a genuine, sincere thank you, some verbal recognition is huge for people. Uh, it doesn't mean you have to give them a raise or promotion or more money or, or whatever. I mean, all those things are great. And of course, over time, you'll want to do those things if someone's performing effectively. But one of the best things you can do is to give 
positive feedback and genuine recognition. And if you're just a recent listener to the show, you uh, we did do a episode way back in session number nine on how to give people positive feedback, but to do it in a genuine way. So if that's something that's of interest to you, go back and take a look at session number nine of this show. You can find it at coachingforleaders.com forward slash nine. And You also, of course, will want to know if you need to give constructive feedback, how to give constructive feedback. We covered that in great detail in session number 10, the second uh, of that series. So you can go to coachingforleaders.com forward slash 10 to get there. Whichever one you're doing, make sure you do it, though. So uh, give that positive feedback, give that constructive feedback. In some cases, you might be giving both. So provide that accountability. And if you do, people know that you care. They know that you're paying attention. And in the long run, they know that you're invested in them. You know, I didn't like it when my dad would come down and uh, and point out the things that I missed. But I also knew and I realize now that that commitment to excellence that he had, that standard he set for excellence is a standard that I've taken with me in my personal life and in my career and in my relationships, and that's something that I value a whole lot. Now, this may seem overly simplistic. Perhaps. Perhaps the three-step model is overly simplistic. But simple does not mean easy. And my experience has been with these three steps, establishing outcomes, agreeing to some regular check-ins, and providing accountability— that uh, the higher that leaders go in the organization, the less likely it is that they do this consistently. I'll say that again because this is exact opposite of what a lot of people think. They think, well, the higher you go in the organization, the more effective leaders are at doing this because if they've gotten to those higher levels, they must be pretty good at doing something like this. And my experience in coaching is the exact opposite. And I know in talking with other people who do coaching, other folks in the training industry that I've worked with over the years, their experience is very similar to mine. The higher that you get up in the organization as a leader, the less likely I see leaders doing this consistently. And I'm not entirely sure for the reason why for that, but my theory is is that the higher you get up in the organization, the more that organizational politics start to play a role. And when politics come in, these things are harder to do. So it's good coaching for all of us as leaders is we become more influential as we have more and more opportunity to lead people is to come back to these fundamentals and continue to do these fundamentals well. And if we do, then we're going to be the type of leaders that really do engage people, develop people, and help people to commit to excellence. So my challenge for you this week is to take at least one of these things and to take action on it. And if you take action on one of these things, whether it's establishing outcomes or doing some check-ins, I would love to hear about what it is that you did and the results you receive from that. And there's a couple ways you can let me know about that, and I'd love to share any successes that you have. Again, the show notes are a great place to add comments at the very bottom. You can add in a comment and join the conversation about the episode. Again, that's at coachingforleaders.com forward slash 53. That's where you get to the show notes for this episode. And of course, email is great to feedback 
at coachingforleaders.com. Now, I have two uh, pieces of listener feedback this week that I wanted to get to and answer some questions on. Both of these came in by email to our email address. Again, that's feedback at coachingforleaders.com. First of all here, a question from Andy. Uh, Andy said a little bit about the show here, but I'm going to just read the part of the Uh, feedback he sent in that is a question. So Andy writes and says, uh, my situation is that I've just been appointed as an internal coach at a company. The leadership see the value of coaching and basically have asked me to engage with specific middle managers and coach them. So for these middle managers, my sudden involvement, involvement in their lives is a little bit of a surprise. They do get an email from our leader telling them that the company is investing in them and that they've been selected for coaching and to do work with me, and then I take over. As you can imagine, I have been getting a mixture of reactions. Not a surprise. It goes from a couple who are super excited to one or two that are reluctant, to say the least, too busy, suspicious, don't see the need, etc. What tips can you give on how to best get started with people who are not motivated to work with a coach? Andy, thank you so much for sending in this question. And, uh, you know, that's a tough situation to be in, Andy, and I really appreciate you reaching out for feedback. And I know we have other listeners who are in coaching roles in organizations and may may benefit or may have been in a similar situation too. Uh, my first uh, thought on this question, Andy, and this is true for, I think, almost all of us that do coaching And part of your question here is, how do I coach someone who doesn't want to be coached? And the answer to that is, you can't. You can't coach someone who doesn't want to be coached. Coaching, by definition, is a permission-based activity development process. You do need the cooperation of the other party in order to provide coaching. And if you don't have that, you won't coach. And I think you probably already know that or already have an inclination of that. Um, so I think the question probably here is, um, well, how do I handle a situation with people I'm supposed to coach, but I, <laughs> I, I, I know I can't coach or are not open to coaching? So um, this is where this gets complicated because there's probably a lot of organizational politics here involved. Uh, uh, here's, a few th- here's a few thoughts, Andy. Here's what things that I would be going through my mind if I was in your position. And of course, I don't know all the details. Um, But one of the things that I would think of is, first of all, is who are the people who might be open to it? And of the people who might be open to coaching, of to do some things up front that would build trust and build rapport with them. So I would even take off my hat as a coach, and I would just spend my time with those people when I had those meetings of just trying to get to know them learn a little bit more about their backgrounds, go back to that from model. I know you mentioned in your feedback that that's something you've used, which is great, um, and to build rapport, and then to look for what it is that they need right now. What are some immediate needs that those people have that you could potentially be a resource for them on? It may not be uh, coaching per se, Maybe there's something else that they could use as a resource. Maybe they're looking for some tools, some articles, uh, some learning materials. Uh, Maybe there's something else. And if you can look for the opportunity to provide those, then you potentially have the opening and the opportunity to build some trust with them. And for the people who might be on the fence, 
that might be something that would get them to consider uh, utilizing you as a resource. Uh, for the folks that aren't on the fence, <laughs> for the folks that are saying they're, or maybe they're not saying this, but that they're too busy, they're suspicious, they don't see the need for this at all. Uh, Andy, the best thing I could tell you is um, find a way to help them to save face and see how you can step aside. Uh, coaching isn't going to work in that situation. So you may need to have uh, a a frank and maybe difficult conversation with some of the, you know, your leadership and to say, Hey, you know, coaching doesn't work this way. Let's talk about some other ways that we can engage this group of people to get the results they want. Cause unfortunately what will happen is you may uh, end up meeting with them. You won't be doing coaching, of course, but if the meeting's required and they just sit down and meet with you, nothing will ultimately change. And then you will start to bear the brunt of a performance that hasn't changed. And that may reflect poorly on you internally since you are an internal coach. So that would be the two things that come to mind for me. And I hope that those are helpful for you. By the way, if you're listening and you have some thoughts or comments for Andy, hop onto the website and add in your comments as well. And then finally, I have a email here, actually a part of an email from Tom. You may remember that Tom had sent in the question last week when we talked about how to handle complainers. And I completely forgot to share part of Tom's email. And he emailed me back and said, hey, you forgot that one piece. And I said, oh, I'm so sorry, Tom. So Tom, my apologies. Um, Tom wanted everyone to know who's listening uh, that uh, he's actually kind of worked out a cool arrangement with his learning and development organization at his company for his own personal development. And he writes, uh, and I'm quoting here, at my company, there's a fairly high bar this year for training for leaders of people, over 20 hours that we need to do. Uh, I didn't think I would have time to take the course offerings through our classrooms or even some of the online options. I verified with our learning and development people that podcasts would be an acceptable substitute. I have a long commute on a train, so I'm able to learn on the way. Uh, you may want to suggest this to the, to the to your audience. Hey, Tom, thanks so much for the suggestion. You're probably listening to this on the train right now, so I really appreciate you passing along this suggestion. And, you know, podcasting is still something that, uh, although there's a lot of them out there, is still kind of a, a new technology, a new way for us all to learn. I listen to podcasts all the time during the week. It helps me to learn. It helps me to grow. It challenges my thinking every week. There's a ton of shows that I listen to. Um, if you're listening to this show, then you know the value of podcasting, hopefully, if you've, especially if you've listened this far into the episode, and that you can get some great things from it. And so, uh, Tom, I think this is a wonderful suggestion. And for those of you out there who, uh, like Tom, have a requirement of doing a certain number of hours uh, in training or personal development this year from your organization, I would encourage you to go talk to your folks in human resources or learning and development, depending on your organization, and uh, chat with them about podcasting and, and or podcasts and see if some of the things you can get through podcasts might be a substitute for some of those hours. You know, uh, like many things, you know, there's no replacement for getting together in person sometimes and doing some good solid training with either your colleagues or from a reputable organization or school or university. Uh, but that said, podcasting is a wonderful way to enhance 
your learning. And I would strongly encourage if that's something that is uh, on your radar screen to look for ways to do that. And oh, by the way, if you talk with your learning and development folks and there's a way that um, we can help out as far as uh, providing more resources to your organization, let me know. I'd be happy to do that. In fact, I've had listeners before that have asked me to record a real brief two or three minute overview of our show. Um, and so they could then share that with some of their colleagues. I'd be happy to do that for listeners. So feel free to reach out to me if that's something that would be of interest to you, because my goal is to help you to continue to learn and grow. And I'm always honored if you think to share this resource with other folks that matter to you in your life. Hey, before I let you go, thank you to Andar Yardis. Thank you for liking our page on Facebook this week. You can get to our page at coachingforleaders.com forward slash Facebook. Lots of articles, tools, resources I'm posting up there, conversations we're starting. So hop on there if you haven't already. A reminder that you can subscribe to our newsletter at coachingforleaders.com forward slash subscribe. And the link for the show notes are on our website for this episode. All the notes are there, coachingforleaders.com forward slash 53. This show airs every Monday. And last but not least, you know what I'm going to say, wherever you are in the world, whatever's on your agenda today, take one idea, just one idea from this show to engage and develop someone that you lead. Have a great week, everyone. Talk to you next week.